Hey, everyone. Welcome to my show, my so-called fabulous. I'm Tiffany, and welcome, welcome, everyone. And hey, we all know I'm a woman, right? Have you gathered that? We've all figured that out for sure. And I have brought a friend and a wonderful woman in to the show today. And I think I've been stalking you for quite a while to do this, but I finally got her here and I was kind of forced to do it too, because you're leaving us. But Dr. Karen Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tiffany. It's my pleasure to be here. Oh my goodness. My pleasure. Of course, we met once upon a time. How long ago? Was it four years? At least three or four years okay. ago. Okay. At American Heart Association cocktail party, of course. Of Just course. add wine. Of course. <laughs> add wine, cheese, charcuterie. So we met, connected. Life happen- happens. We're so busy. We really didn't have an opportunity to get together much at all. I would see you at different events, but you are... Um, the number of students at Texas Christian University, we bleed purple. Kennedy's number 19 to go to the school. And we were so blessed to have you for four years. And I know you're moving on and, and tell us where you're going. Yes. Well, forever a frog, as you know, but I am moving to North Carolina. I have accepted a tenure track position at Elon University, but my heart is really very much in Texas um, still. I'm originally from Wisconsin, so that's a big that's a big deal for me to say that, but had a great experience in Fort Worth and made some lifelong friends. And as I said in my goodbye video, is that I don't really like to say goodbye. I'll say, I'll see you soon because Mm -hmm. I know that I'll be back or I've already had friends to plan on visiting me in North Carolina. So just very excited about the future. And Elon is in Raleigh, correct? It's it's not far from Raleigh. Um, It is actually in Elon, North Carolina. Well, there it is. It's a whole city. (laughs) And so I will be actually living in Burlington, but, but very excited about the opportunity, about the student population. It is to me, very similar to TCU in mm-hmm. that it's a private university and just a lovely strategic communication department. So well, here we go. You, um, we will, you will be missed, but I will be taking the jet plane over to yes. and seeing you for sure. And I have to say, you have touched so many young women that I know and men, but we have Ashley German. She works for me, and she's one of Kennedy's sorority sisters, best friends. She um, devastated your leaving because she just adores you so much. And the number of students that have talked to me, because I know that group, because my daughter's still that Well, she's in grad school, and I want you to talk about that in a minute. But the number of students that absolutely adore you, there were professors that I didn't care. I just didn't care for them. I mean, they didn't teach I didn't learn correctly, right? right? Mm-hmm. So what makes what makes a professor just, you're a marker for these women and men. Thank you. Well, I always say that teaching is not about just the subject matter. Teaching is also about taking the subject matter, whether it's theory, whether it is a, a, a complex equation. It's all about how you impart that knowledge and then how you apply the knowledge to the real world. So having worked in public relations, marketing, business, all the things you saw my bio, worked in all of those areas for almost 20 years, when I came into higher education, when I became a teacher, professor, I 
promised myself that I would always be the kind of professor I wish that I had had. Oh, the wow. kind of professor that would use my theory and use this knowledge to apply it to real world situations. So that was my deepest desire. Now, of course, you have to teach things that are, again, theoretical in nature or things that are, if you have a book, that are historic in nature. But you can do that and still make it relevant to today's world. Right. So that's how, that's been my teaching philosophy. And surprisingly, well, maybe not so surprisingly, students love that. Yes, gravitate to that for sure. Okay, so many people ask me, Kennedy is getting her, her undergraduate was political science communications minor. She is going on to TCU STRATCOM, strategic communications. Can you, because I butcher the, the <laughs> master program, can you tell everyone what strategic communications is? Because that's what you taught. Right. Absolutely. Teach. Absolutely. And, and that I will be teaching going forward. One of the things that I think people get really confused about is the, the terminology that we use every day. You know, I always tell people you can use words, but not really know what they mean. Um, we do it all the time. And in the world of strategic communication, there's an art and a science to it. And what does that mean? That basically means that strategic communication encompasses everything from public relations to advertising, in some programs, marketing, which in some programs that's encompassed in it. But typically it is a, a a collection of topics of information where you're talking to target audiences, general public, whomever it might be. But strategic communications is how do we think about who's our audience? Who are we talking to? Then how do we communicate with them, whether it's verbally, um, on social media platforms, in writing. And so using all of that to say there is a plan to this, not just putting out the words and the messages. And so what's the strategy mm -hmm. behind communicating? And so that's really what we call strategic communication. So it's this collection of all the things that are required to communicate with an audience and whatever that audience is for you in terms of if you're a corporation, if you are a small business, mm -hmm. if you are a retail organization, whatever it might be, strategic communication is who's my audience? What do they want to hear from me? And how do I deliver it? What's the best way to deliver those messages? That is perfect. Now, in the four years that you were at TCU and you began teaching, has communicating changed or how much has it changed in four years? Yes, I think it's wow. the second question is that it's Ugh. changed dramatically, tremendously. Mm -hmm. And primarily, as you know, it's changed because of social media, right? We are now not a um, timed news operation. You know, typically it was, what's the news cycle? Mm -hmm. Well, the news cycle is 24 seven now because of social media. Mm -hmm. And so it's so important for us to think about how communication has changed in general. Um, the use of uh, cell phones and, and those, those hand, I call them handheld computers because right. you can easily record something via video. You can record it in so many different ways. And so I think that we have to really acknowledge and understand that we're not print based anymore. Like in the good old days, mm -hmm. I worked for the Chicago Tribune for many years. And yes. so I'm like, oh yes, mm -hmm. a great news story. Let's mm -hmm. get it out. It's in print, but we're not that anymore. And so now it's about how do we say things in 
um, sharper sound bites? How do we visually tell a story? The power of that is is now greater than ever. And so being consistent in your message and how you deliver that on social platforms, I think is the most important thing. And that is how communication has changed. Now, I will say this. I still teach and say to my students, verbal communication and written communication will always be in style, mm-hmm. meaning you need to know how to write. We still communicate via email. Email is still a currency of communication in the business world. So you don't get to say, I don't need to learn how to write. Yeah, yes, you, you do. do. <laughs> yes, you do. And I don't need to talk to people. I can just text them or whatever. So verbal and written communication is at the foundation of all communication anyway. And so you need to do those things well, but then know how to tell a story, whether it's a story of your brand, tell it visually and be able to tell that powerfully. Right. And do you think that um, the generation we have now, I think that, for example, I, I, I listen to the girls, they're texting their significant no, they're not even significant. They're texting potential men or women. And I'm like, have you ever met this person? No, no, just text. Yeah, it's it's, it's different. Troubling. And, and well, it's not troubling. It's just different it's from just the way different. that we, from our generation. Mm-hmm. And, and so what I say is that I try to understand how can we navigate that? How can we nuance that better so that you do get to actually know that person and then heaven forbid, actually meet them in person. <laughs> but I try not to, to, to say, oh, it's awful or it's so bad. Yeah. I say, how do you nuance it better so that you have more information to make a good decision about this person? And uh, so I think that's it. And, and I've even, you know, I've had students come to me and they've like broken up with somebody that they've only done it over text. They never mm-hmm. had a face-to-face meeting about it and all those things. And so it's, it's a very different way of communicating, mm-hmm. but it is the way this generation communicates now. And, and, and it's intriguing to me because I am such a student of communication. And, you know, I always tell people, even as a professor, you have to be a continuous learner. Yes. And so observing and researching and learning more about how people communicate, why they do. And, and that's been a hallmark of my, my teaching in my career. Fascinating. I mean, fascinating. So I told you when you walk in, walked in, because I know you, but I don't know you when I, I honestly, my best friend came in and her, she brought a resume. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't know you did this, but you should run for president. You Karen, I'm, I mean, I'm cracking up everyone. I mean, you worked over at Edelman. I mean, the world's leading PR firm. Yeah. Yes. You worked at Edelman. I mean, you at Northwestern Mutual. I mean, you're a consultant from the United States Army. Are you joking? <laughs> I mean, you presented at South by Southwest in Austin and you're a TEDx speaker. Are you kidding me? I mean, you're only 28. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this show so much. So, you, I mean, tell us about your your career and now you're a professor. Yeah, and 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 what I often say to people and and again, I always go back to my students because that's my heart these days and I will say this is that I didn't set out to be in higher education or in academia. I never saw myself in that world. I really wasn't a person who enjoyed um, school, the act of getting a degree. And so when I found myself in all of these different environments, again, I started my career at the Chicago Tribune as a salesperson um, selling ad space for for um, 
at, in a, a territory that was automotive uh, territory. And so basically the big car dealerships yes. who wanted to place ads in the newspaper. There you go. I was the woman who had to go into the car dealership. And back then, we won't say what year, but back then... <laughs> Being a female, young female, going into a car dealership, talking to the GM, talking, mm -hmm. you know, around all these men, basically, men. Mm -hmm. who are selling cars. I had to dig deep for wow. a level of courage. And so that was kind of the start of my career and finding out, okay, you might have to do some courageous things. So started really in sales. And then after that, I moved on to a career in corporate communication, which was working in the banking industry, financial services, Northwestern Mutual, uh, where I was the director of field development. And that just meant basically communicating with all of the field offices across the United States and making sure that they were branded according to our corporate standards and doing a lot around that. And then continued to move on. Again, each, each job moved me into another area of interest. And what I often tell people is that some of it was intentional, but some of it was circumstance. Um, each job was either because at the time I was getting married. So I moved to the state and the city where my ex-husband, you know, was. And so it was all of those things that kind of forced me to move around so much, but I have no regrets about it. And so what I often say is that I've done all these things for various reasons, but careers do not come in a straight line. And I think that sometimes in higher education, we lead students to believe that careers travel in a straight path. And what I mean by that is you don't just get a degree, the name that's on the degree, you do that thing. Not everybody does that. Mm -mm. Now, I do say my students who major, if you're pre-med, you're probably going to be probably. a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> attorney. Right. Yeah. The, yeah. Well, maybe, I mean, not even an attorney. Accounting. I accounting. Mean, there's certain mm -hmm. disciplines. Sure. But when you're in strategic communication, you could be literally doing anything. And and I have. And so when I worked for the federal government, my job was, was to work with military officers and generals and colonels in the Army on how they were communicating with their troops. Wow. And so a lot of the work that I've done. It's always been centered around communication, but it's also been, here's an opportunity or here's, you know, we're moving to Alabama. I lived in Alabama and I'm thinking, what am I going to be when I grow up there? Right. And that's when I started working as a consultant and a contractor to the U.S. military. And so I think that we have to recognize that it's not just about the name on your degree. Mm -hmm. It is about what you do with that degree. And it is about the confidence and courage that you have to move forward and try new things. And I will not lie to you. It is scary. It, it is, is scary. It's been scary. And I've had moments where I, I've doubted myself. I've had moments where I've, I've wondered, okay, how is this going to turn out? But at the end of the day, I have no regrets because I've tried some things. I've failed at some things mm -hmm. and I've been super successful at some things. And so this has been a wonderful way for me when I talk to my students to say, I'm not telling you something that I've read in a book. I've lived some of the theories and some of the things that I'm teaching you. When I worked at Edelman, I, I would talk to um, university presidents. My job was to equip them and help them with their thought leadership. And so I'm writing speeches for people. I'm doing different things that I tell students, all of these theories 
this is how they play out in the real world. And so I'd have examples. A hallmark of, of my teaching is always bringing in guest speakers. And that's a hallmark, I think, of, of most um, solid professors is that you want to bring in outside or industry experts. And, and it's a hallmark of the TCU program and I believe of the program that I'm going to. And so I have really had this zigzag career right and never a dull moment in no. my life never a dull no. moment Mm-mm. um i when i got into teaching again it was quite by accident my ex-husband and i had moved uh to mississippi so i've done my tour of southern u.s you have been you've been around <laughs> i've done my tour um, but we moved to mississippi and there was a tiny private liberal arts college that um, was looking for um, someone. And this was the little town that we were living in. And I went up to the college and just said, hey, I have no higher education experience, but I see that you want a director of the career center. And I care about careers. I like young people. And so let me do this. And so I convinced um, a gentleman who is now one of my greatest mentors, Mm -mm. uh, convinced him to hire me, met the president, fell in love with the university. And that was my introduction into higher ed. And so Mm -hmm. again, this career that I have, this life that I have was all from just taking that next step, taking that next chance, doing that next thing. And once I started at a small liberal arts private university, I was hooked. I went in the classroom and I thought, people do this for a living. They get paid for this. Wow. They get paid to teach and to talk to young people. Now, I, I know something about myself that I could never do like... K through 12. I like the Mm -hmm. older, you know, coming into adulthood. (laughs) They want to be there. Yes. Yes. That's a little different. And so when I was able to uh, do that at this university, I really decided this was for me. And at the time I didn't even have a master's degree. And so I got my master's degree there because that was one of the credentials that you have to have to continue teaching. And then I realized, well, all the people that get to do the cool courses, they have PhDs. Oh, no. <laughs> so I need to get I'm one gonna of those. I'm going to do that. I got to get one of yes, those. And yes. so I went back and got my PhD uh, in higher education administration. Wow. And my emphasis, of course, my research is around women and leadership. And so merging all of my passions has been a hallmark of my career and of my life. Isn't that amazing? You know, I, I love what you said about... Um, your degree, getting a degree. And Kennedy, and she knows I, I use her as reference many times and she's approved, but she lived with, there was five girls at TCU. Four of these girls were in the medical field, either pre-med, nursing. Um, she was political science, is political science. And she many times was very upset because they know what they want to do, Mom. They, they know what they want to be when they grow up. And I was telling her what you explained. If you're going into medicine, that is a calling. That is a passion. That is, you know what you're, you typically know what you're going to do. And I've, and I've told her that and she thought she wanted to go to politics. Well, during her time, the politics was not a positive. I mean, it was not a positive time. And so she changed her mind there and, and went, went where she, she went with communications. I said, you can do anything. You can do anything you want to do now, anything with, with STRATCOM. So what's so interesting about that? And again, I, I jokingly say, I blame higher education for this is that we tell people, 
you major in this and you become a this. And so something like strategic communication, again, you think, well, that's so many things. It's public relations, it's advertising, it's all those things. And so what I think is most interesting about when students have those difficulties and and challenges in comparison, and you've heard this quote, I'm sure, I can't remember who said it, but comparison is the thief of joy. Mm-hmm. And that is so important for young women in college because even those young women who are in pre-med and nursing, I can't tell you how many of those have changed their major and become strategic communication majors. Wow. So they left it. And so don't assume, we always assume the next person, and I think we do this a lot as women, the next person has it all together. Mm -hmm. They know what they're doing. They know how they're doing it. And we've been trained in society to put forth that level Mm -hmm. of confidence of knowing, but we don't always know. And so when I talk to young women about careers and what you're going to do, the beauty of this kind of field of strategic communication is that you can do so many things in so many different industries. I'm a perfect example Mm -hmm. of having worked in corporate, having worked at a PR agency, having worked in government, having worked at a university. All of those opportunities came to me because I had a, a wide array of skills rooted in writing, speaking, and being able to position a brand or an opportunity. And so I think that that's been uh, one of the things that I try to encourage students that you don't have to know. Mm-hmm. You, a, a degree is really, in my opinion, a ticket to the dance party, so to speak. Right. So you get accepted into the party. Now what you do, and I say this in one of my, in my TEDx talk, is what you do when you get to the party, who you dance with, Mm-mm. that becomes a different Exactly. And that that is different in in the sense that it's different because you might meet someone at the party and say, okay, this is how I want to dance. I like rock music. Oh, no, wait, there's rap music over there. I kind of like that. It's okay to dabble in it and change jobs and change opportunities because one of the things that research is showing now that most people do not stay on jobs the way they used to. Mm -hmm. And so it's okay to change jobs, but it's never okay. I always say it's never okay to go back to the bank of mom and dad. It's, it's, It's okay to say, I might need some support and help from time to time, but now you've got to fly little birdie. Mm -hmm. And the way you do that is by trying new things And, and you never, you're not failing because you try new things. I often say that people say, well, you've changed so many times and done so many different things. If I failed at something, I failed forward because I've learned what I don't like as a result of doing that thing. Mm-hmm. And so that has been my message to young women. So you don't, you don't have to know, don't worry about knowing, worry about doing. Oh gosh, I love that. And you know, I, I've all, I've said this and I've had physicians on, on, on the show before and they always say, don't say that, but I'm like, but it is. I have learned more from my failures than I have my successes because my failures hurt. It doesn't, it you kind of put a ding in my brain, in my heart, my soul. And I'm like, I'm not doing that again. Absolutely. Right. And, and I think again, certain disciplines, you're right. If you fail, you're in trouble. I have a friend who's a pilot and he's like, I don't get to fail. No, please don't fail. <laughs> right. I, I tell him that right. all the time. But at the end of the day, if you are in certain life situations or life stages, it's okay not to be perfectly perfect. Mm-hmm. Because again, I think society has done that to women, that perfection is the goal. 
and that we have to have this knowing and all of those things. And and there's a difference between knowing and having self-confidence and all of those things. But I I know that from research, it's we've done a, a poor job of of showing women that it's okay to fail. And our society celebrates strength, right? But we don't look at the things that cause us to be strong. Mm-hmm. Typically, you become stronger from some pain, from something that's happened to you. I know in my life that's been the case. All of my failures have made me stronger. And I'm not sitting here saying, yes, everybody failed because that's important. <laughs> no. You know, I have to give out grades every sure. semester. Exactly. Oh, dear. And so I don't want everybody to fail. But I do say, even if you get a bad grade or even if you fail at something in life, it's so cliche, but it's so true. Mm-hmm. What did you learn from it? Oh, what did you learn? <laughs> and that's, I know. And that's what's so important. So I, you know, my hope for young women and this generation is that we not be so afraid of failure. There's research that shows that uh, young women were not running for student government at universities because they didn't want to lose an election. Oh, gosh. Think about that. So now you're missing out on an opportunity because of the possibility that you might lose at something Mm -hmm. or fail. Mm -hmm. But what about the fact that you can put on your resume that you ran for this election or that you had the courage to go out and make those speeches to students about your platform? And so I I, I think that we've done a really poor job of setting people up for success by not talking about failure. You know, um, my demographics are majority women, age 18 to 42 is the majority of my audience. And for those of you moms and dads that are listening, um, this is such a great message for your young girls because not running for student government, not trying out for cheerleader, not trying out for the soccer team or not going to band it's okay to learn. And and here's the thing, and I've seen this as well as, and working in a university environment, is parents, I'm talking to you right now, parents. You're listening. You're listening. <laughs> Don't put your expectations and your dreams on your children. Yes. It destroys them. I've seen them. They've been in my class. They've come into my office crying because they want to please mom and dad, but they do not want to be a business major. They do not want to be this. And so one of the, one of the, the biggest opportunities I, I think for parents is to make sure that, that their student or their child has in their life different people that they trust to give them advice. So it's not just the parents. Have different people in your life. So in my research that I did on women in leadership, particularly in higher education leadership, we found that women need, and anybody, this can apply to anybody really, you need three types of people in your life. The first type of person you need in your life is a ventor, V-E-N-T-O-R. What's a ventor? A ventor is somebody that you go to and you whine and complain and you drink wine and you cry and you're like, I hate my life. I'm having (laughs) such a hard time, blah, blah, blah. You tell them all your dirty secrets and they keep them quiet. And so you need a ventor, somebody that you go to and just let it all out, let your hair down. And then you need a mentor. Now that's a different person. 
You don't complain all the time to the mentor. You might say some things going on, but a mentor is somebody that knows a lot about maybe a field of study that you're interested in or a type of business that you're interested in. They might have contacts of people that they can introduce you to that they will bring you into their network. So these are people just helping you with your path going forward. And then you need this last type of person. And this is a a bit harder to find. And this is a sponsor. Mm -hmm. This is the person who already has the connections. They already have everything going. You may not meet with them every day, but they are the people that speak up for you when you're not in the room. If an opportunity comes up, they're like, you need to call Tiffany. You need to call Karen. Mm -hmm. They use their network when you're not even around. So you need mentors, mentors, and sponsors. Wow in a solid career. And they're all different people, in my opinion. I don't think you can find that in one person. And I don't think you should. No. And so I tell my students and I tell them to find that person. Yes, you deserve to complain. If you don't get that job interview or you lose that opportunity, you get to have a pity party for 24 hours with your mentor. Mm -hmm. Then you better go to your mentor Mm-hmm. And say, who do I need to talk to? Who do I need to know to move this forward? And then if the opportunity is there and you're being considered for maybe a promotion, you need that sponsor who's at the table saying, oh, Tiffany's the person for this. Right. Tiffany is the one. And you're not even there. You're not even aware they're doing it. But you know that you have those people as part of your life. So the research shows that that's the way that women can have a solid career and be more satisfied and less on this perfection path and mm-hmm. less on this, um, I have to do all things right all the time. It's, it's a tough way to live. It is a very tough way. And, you know, uh, we were talking earlier about comparison and um, and I'm very competitive. And in this career change that I've had, I, I mean, I went to TCU, studied food. It, it was back in the day. You didn't change jobs. Right. I was forced to, I worked for Time Inc. I was the Southern Living. I worked for all of them as a chef and, um, you know, for media. And you didn't change jobs until you were fired. Well, print publication, you know, what happened? So, yes, I was kind of forced out. But, um you know, changing jobs, but being competitive. And, and I look at the young girl that I was, and I wish I would have had, I wish I would have behaved differently. And I have had life coaches tell me, or therapists, let that little girl live. Don't, she did what she did. Stop crying over what you did and live and, you know what I mean? And it's, and I, and I tell this to my daughter constantly. And, um, but but that is a whole topic. Right. But this social media world, comparing. Oh, absolutely. I'm 56. Stop comparing to 23-year-old absolutely. influencers. And, and I think the, the problem with that is that, once again, we are thinking that there's a certain standard. There's a certain way that we have to be. When you're more authentically you... That's what sells. That's what gets people interested. The fact that you're saying, you know, I'm competitive. I've had this real, you've had a really interesting career. Mm -hmm. And like you said, let that little girl go. 
but also know that that little girl has learned and grown. And my sharing my story mm-hmm. is something that can speak life into another person. It can speak joy into someone else who might be saying, oh, I think I failed too. Mm-hmm. But wow, look at Tiffany, what she's done. Look at Karen. She's changed a million mm-hmm. times and right. still changing right. and moving forward. And so I, I think that our stories, there's great power in sharing them. Uh, even when we have those moments where we might be a little embarrassed to share because it didn't turn out perfectly. And and again, I also don't say share every detail with everybody <laughs> because everybody doesn't need to know all that. No. But at the end of the day, I do think there's power in our stories. There's power in our failures and there's power in us owning all of that, mm-hmm. you know, just really saying, yeah, that did not work out in my mm-hmm. life, but guess what? I've learned what I shouldn't do anymore. You know, I tell people all the time when I first started my career, my undergraduate degree was journalism and media communication. And I thought for sure I was going to be the next Katie Couric, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to be on air at a television station. I ended up getting an internship at a television station looking at the day-to-day, working around news reporters, doing all of that. And I right away said, you know what, if this is really what this is, I don't want to be that anymore. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. And so again, had I not had the internship, had I not tried to do it, I wouldn't have known. And, And so I think that that's important. And sometimes our knowing causes a bit of fear and we think we can't or we shouldn't. And that's where you need those different um, people in your life, the mentors, the sponsors, the mentors, so Mm -hmm. that you can kind of work through your own insecurities. And we all have them. That's right. You know, I've told the girls and I say the girls and, Mm -hmm. and Kennedy's friend group, and obviously they're your students as well. Do the intern, be the intern, because you will see, I don't ever want to do that. Your case in point. Your case in point. And I've done television, um, cooking shows my whole career. And I have always said, I wish I'd have gone. I wish I would have been in broadcasting. I just wish it. I wish it, wish it. You know, because I live that around the clock, get there at 3 a.m., that whole thing. But you are the perfect example. Be that intern and say, you know what? Never mind. I don't really want to do that. And and there's nothing lost. What When you're in your 20s, and I know it's easy for me to say and you to say in our 50s, but at the end of the day, there's no wasted experience, particularly Mm -hmm. in your 20s. You have a lot of time to recover. And, And even now that I'm on this other side, I'm looking and saying... And I even have a lot of time to recover because as long as I have breath in my body, mm-hmm. I can still own my experiences. I can still change. I can still do new things. You know, I'm moving to North Carolina. I have not even seen the apartment that I'm going to be living what? in. <laughs> You're kidding me. It's a new construction. So that's okay. a good thing. So, <laughs> Okay. Um, it scared me. You scared yeah, me. I was like, <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, I'm moving into an apartment because I don't want to buy something as soon no. as I get there. But you know, you still take risks, you take chances and, and you do new things and, and it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And even if it's not, even if I get there and that apartment is like, wow, it looked better in the floor plan (laughs) than it looks right now, then I'll figure out what I need to do next to, to make that change as much as, again, you want things to go in this linear fashion in this perfectly laid out plan. But what I look at that as is not a failure just another thing I've learned to move ahead, to do differently, and and to own my experiences and my decisions. Mm-hmm, definitely, mm-hmm. I love what you were telling parents, and I and I, I I it makes me it makes me think. I'm not sure, but 
you deal deal with students that are are yeah. just in the wrong. I, I do know one of uh, Kennedy's friends. Her parents said, "We're paying for this, but you have to get this major. You have yeah. to do this." And, and I, I'm like, "What?" And and so. You know, I, t- I told you I worked as a career counselor mm-hmm. uh, to young to students as well. And and one of the things that I would always say, I've had parents literally come into my office with their student and say, this is what they have to major in. This is what they have to do with their lives. And the student would sit there silently and agree. And then the parent would leave and they'd come back to me and say, I don't want to do that. And so what mm. I would sometimes tell my student is that, Perhaps you need to have a conversation with them, an adult kind of conversation, because the more a student, and you think about this, the more someone says, I don't know, the more you're going to tell them what to do. Mm -hmm. And so go in knowing, I want to try this. That's the conversation you have with your parent. It is not about, I don't know, I just know it's not this. Say, I think instead of business, I want to try strategic communication because I could still work in business with a strategic communication mm-hmm. degree. Mm-hmm. And so have having a more mature conversation with parents is what I advise students to do. And they're not always equipped to do that, which is why I loved also being a career counselor. But at the end of the day, it is parents very much putting their expectations and their hopes and dreams for their their students and their children um, onto that child, and and I, I think it's it's not fair. Right, it's, it's not good. It's tough. I bet <laughs> it's, that's hard to watch. It, it really is. It really is. And and particularly now, let's not joke. Tuition is expensive, oh. so you're paying for something. But I still say this. Even if they get a degree in business versus strategic communication versus whatever it might be, they still have a degree from a nice, prestigious university. Mm-hmm. As I said earlier, it's what you do with that ticket to the party, which is just the bachelor of whatever degree mm-hmm. that really makes a difference. And so I often say, I don't really care what name is on the degree in terms of the discipline or area of study. I care that you have some transferable skills that you're able to use in the real world. I care that you are courageous. I care that you are a nice human. Imagine mm-hmm. that. Right. <laughs> that you have good values. Be kind. Right. And mm-hmm. all of those are, are more important to me than just the degree. And so students, it almost frees them up to say, okay, I'm going to major in this and I am going to figure it out. And so I, I would just encourage parents to not impose their will. I know you're paying for it, but don't impose your will of what you want it to be or what you worked for you in your career. I've had dads coming to my office who have you know made a killing in business. My son or daughter has to major in business because that's how I mm-hmm. made it and that's the way to go. Well, maybe not, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they are really more creative. And even right. though you think creative professions don't make a lot of money or whatever it might be, there's so many things, so many opportunities, so many ways that this person can engage in the real world and still be successful. Right. And and that even, you know, I, I, we're talking very philosophical here mm-hmm. today, but I think it's so important because how are we defining success for our children and for ourselves? It's a big question. How are you defining it? Is it the money? Is it, you know, and all of those things are important. And, you know, I still like a good piece of jewelry or whatever. Right. So that's important. But at the end of the day, it is that and. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's so many more things and, and not everybody values the same things. Not and so it's so important to, to just allow your, your student, your child, the freedom to say, well, this is what I want to try over here. But I go back to the payroll office of mom and dad. If mm-hmm. you can't figure it out, then they do get to dictate mm-hmm. what you do. <laughs> they kind so, of do. So that's why you better go in right. ready to have a conversation about here's what I'm most interested in. Right. Absolutely. I think absolutely. Important. I mean, it's it is interesting because, you know, having the conversations with your children and I said this to my friend yesterday and her children are really small and you're just not, your kids think you're so stupid. I mean, <laughs> they do. Kennedy decided when she went to her freshman year that I was actually smart, you know, and I've used, I've used choice takes, words, but it takes a while. It takes a minute, but now she's, you know, we're besties and, but, but uh, you know, and it's, it's the circle of life too. I do know it is the circle of life, but, but having children listen when they're in high school is very <laughs> difficult hormones and oh, absolutely, my hormones, their hormones and all the hormones. Definitely. <laughs> but you know, um, Shifting, shifting with my career, I have that Karen, the number of friends that I have and people in our lives, Greg sold his company two years ago and retired. And of course, people are like, what are you going to do now? He's like, I'm going to get a black belt and jujitsu and I'm going to just hang out. And, and everyone, I, that's when I started my new career. And I have people in my life, why are you doing this? You don't have to do this. Why would you do this? Why would you put yourself through this? Why, why, why? Not supporting. And I'm going to say this. Sorry, y'all. Those of you know who you are, but not supporting. I am not finished. I want to tell my story and help these young women and men <laughs> from my successes, my failures. If I burn bacon, if I, that's right. you know, whatever the case may be. People, I mean, you want you want to live your life, and you're not. Fi- I'm just not finished. But it, it goes back to what I said. So some of these people are par- probably parents as well. Mm-hmm. So the thing that they're imposing on you, yes. is their expectation of what it should be, mm-hmm. of what a life successful life should be, what retirement should yes. be. My sister, who is um, an executive in Chicago, she's going to be retiring this year. Shout out Connie Lindsay, way to go! <laughs> anyway, she is retiring, and our joke is she calls it rewiring, not retiring. She says it's rewirement, not retirement. And and what's exciting to me about that is you don't have to stop ever, but you also get to rest. If Greg wants to just do karate for the rest of his right. life, that's perfectly fine. You did that great career. You did that. And so you don't have to immediately move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Or if you do decide the next thing and it's far from what you did in that world, that's okay too. That's okay. Because it's your story and you're writing it. And I even, um, this morning I posted on my social media about this idea of normal. Mm-hmm. Who decides what's normal? Yes. I do. Yes. Who yes. decides what's right? Now, again, mm-hmm. you know, outside of values and doing sure. illegal things, but <laughs> who decides what's right for me? I do. Right. And the way I live that out, as long as I'm not asking you for you know, financial help or a lot of things, you don't have, you don't get to say what I should be doing. Mm-hmm. And I think we listen to those voices so often that it prevents us from being our full selves. And, I, and what I want for women who are in their second act 
of their careers. That's your second act. The first act was what we did for those corporations, for those Mm -hmm. businesses, whatever it was. This is our second act. We get to do things that bring us joy. We get to do things that we're just curious about. We get to learn new skills that we're like, yeah, at 50, I can still Mm -hmm. kick my leg up that high. That's right. You know, I still teach fitness classes. (laughs) That's another something we, we have in common. <laughs> That's my group at, at uh, yes, my going away at party. Going away. There, there's a group of ladies that I taught at LA Fitness and 40 plus was the general population in my class. And we were just determined to say, listen, we need to do strength training. We need to do all these things, not just for the aesthetic, mm-hmm. but also for our bones, oh. for our health. And you, I know you've had a ton of guests to talk about this, mm-hmm. hormones, oh. and all of those things. Mental health, brain yes, health. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all connected. And so when I think about people who are quote unquote successful, I look at those people who have that mind, body, spirit, career mm-hmm. connection. Right. Those when those four things are in alignment and connected, then that is when you're living your best life, as they say. One thousand percent. As they say. And so what I don't want women to do to each other, and we're the worst. We are. I, I'm sorry, women, love you. Yeah. Sisters. Um, but I don't want us to judge each other for the life that we're living. I don't want us to uh, discourage each other from from doing what it is that you feel is right for you in the moment. And so very, very concerned when other women do that. And those are women that, you know, just like you can block people on social media, I block people in real life. Blocks. Blocked. You're See not it. A, you're, you're you know, not it. And that doesn't mean you should always agree with me either. Exactly. Because I love having people challenge my thinking sure. because I'm always so sure that I'm right. Wow. Um, and, and so I'm always excited that I have friends who are my challengers as well in, in that they'll say, are you sure? But they're not discouraging me. Mm-hmm. They'll say, well, you know, why are you thinking about it that way? Why do you want to do that? Mm-hmm. Why is it that you believe that's good for you right now? I have people discourage me from moving to North Carolina. I don't know anybody there, but I'm going Mm -hmm. because I do feel that this is my next act. This is my next opportunity. This is my next calling. And I'm determined to make it work. I had two other job offers. One was here. What? um, And and I chose this one. And so, yeah, so it's it's been, um, it was a tough decision. That was a tough one, right? But- I feel I made the right decision. And guess what? If I get to North Carolina and it's all messed up, you'll come back. I'll come back or go to the next place. I, everyone, don't you just love this woman? <laughs> oh, love you so much. Oh, my goodness. Let me ask you about resumes Ooh. because I'm accepting resumes right now because I um, am having a difficult time um, with keeping employees. So they, and, and, and they will tell me this, the work, this was more work than I thought it was going to be. All right. So, um, resumes, I've just started taking resumes this week and, um, I'm old school. I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I think it's necessary. And I tell you, I have had everything across the board coming out through LinkedIn. And um, I had this beautiful resume. I mean, beautiful. This I was just going, this is it. And let me ask you, if you put your social media handle on there and you have very inappropriate social media, <laughs> oh, is, am I judging or am I... 
Yeah. That's my business though. You're, you're judging and you get to if yeah. they're applying to, <laughs> my if they're applying for a job. So here's what, you know, I, I think is so important. There's a couple of things. When you say you're old school, resumes have changed from perhaps when we were applying for jobs or even from just five years ago, even from two years ago. Resumes are still a currency for applying for job, a way that you apply for job, the thing that you use, but they can come in so many formats. So first and foremost, I tell people, if you don't have a lot of experience, a one-page resume is still appropriate. If you have a lot of experience, you want a longer resume or a CV, which is what I have in higher ed. But at the end of the day, you want the basic information, you know, the contact information. Now I tell people in creative fields, and we did this all the time in the advertising and PR field, is that you can get you can do a two-column resume. You could do a pop of color on it. You can do a lot of really creative things that gets the attention of the hiring person. But you also need to be appropriate. This is still a business exchange. This is still a communication. It is still your brand. Right. It's your personal brand. Your resume is one of the first business cards that you'll have yes. in your life. And so when I talk about social media handles, emails, you know, sexy blue eyes at gmail.com. <laughs> Fiddle D. Resume. I'm, I'm. No, that's inappropriate. And, and because it's so easy, what I often do if I'm applying, and I, I don't have any kind of email or social media handles like that, but if I were applying for a job today and I had that, how easy is it to create just a simple Gmail account using your name? Yeah. And that's the one that you use on your resume. What I also tell students about that is that, it also makes it easier for you to manage the email, right? So if yes. this is going into a separate email account than the one with all your friends and all the shopping things that you've subscribed to, oh, then you can really manage and see who's contacting you. And so very inappropriate. I, I think that now we don't put addresses on resumes anymore. We just put LinkedIn and phone numbers. Those kinds of things are, you know, a lot of that has changed. And so you always want to make sure that you're up on what the latest trends are. And, and there's still just a level of, you know, I, I don't like to use the word professionalism because there's been a lot of controversy over that word, like what's professional. It depends on the industry. It depends on the field. But at the end of the day, if you're applying for an internship on a podcast, you need to know something about the person who's hiring. So right. I do research on you and oh. say, what is her deal? What is mm -hmm. she all about? Okay. Sounds like she's got a little bit of business background. So I'm going to be a little more conservative in my approach with her. I'm going to you know, present my best self on this piece of one sheet of paper that I mm -hmm. have to tell my story. I'm going to present my best self and make sure that my email address is appropriate. <laughs> I know. Or I, social media. I handle. just can't believe what I'm seeing. And these are educated uh, young men and women. I mean, educated. And yeah. I just, is it common sense or? It, it is. And who teaches that? That's true. There's not a course called Common Sense at teach university. <laughs> no. Now, I teach it because it's like that's yes. a side benefit of being in my class. Yes. But there's not a course on Common Sense. We teach them the theory. We teach them all of the information. Mm -hmm. But then how do I apply this? How do I show up as this young, um, eager to learn mm -hmm. person? Yeah. And so that becomes very important. But absolutely, resumes are my greatest. And, and this idea of even the bullet points that you use, no ING, no please, <laughs> working, hiring, recruiting, 
Start with just a simple verb. Recruit, hired, wrote, did right. whatever you did. Tell me in a verb. In a verb. It's basic English. <laughs> I hope you all listen because I have that young group that, that listen to this show and um, follow along because... I'm seeing it through LinkedIn. And yeah. And, and that's the other thing. Your LinkedIn profile is not your resume mm -mm. either. It's different. Okay. So the written paper resume that I might send to you is mm -hmm. one thing. My LinkedIn profile, again, tells my brand story. That headline piece is important. That photo that's out there with your profile oh, yes. is important. And I often tell students, if there's someone else in your photo on your LinkedIn profile, mm -hmm. you failed right there. Because 100%. who are you? Who, what is the point? It shouldn't be a group photo. It should not be, leave any question for me. And so LinkedIn profile, a good headshot, uh, a good headline talking about the things that you're interested in. And then just some key bullet points about what you're capable of doing, making sure that you get testimonials from people saying, hey, this this person either was in my class or uh, worked for me, even if it's a job not related to what you're applying for, mm -hmm. because that's where we get to this idea of transferable skills. So even if you were a lifeguard and you're applying to be a podcast person, guess what? My transferable skill is I'm responsible. Yes. <laughs> I show up you on show time. Up. Those are basic skills. And mm -hmm. so I always say, Again, no experience is a waste. It's how you sell it. It's how you position it. And LinkedIn is an opportunity to do that. It, it just tells part of the story. Now, a cover letter, if you choose to go that route, if you're sending things in, either electronically or via print, a cover letter should define and expand on the resume. Right. And so that's an important kind of one-two punch that you get there. But the LinkedIn should be your wow business card, your electronic business mm -hmm. card. Yes. And then all the other platforms. Um, do an audit, people. Do a social media audit oh, before gosh. you start applying for jobs. Um, yeah. I'm just shaking <laughs> my head. I'm like, why did you even put that on there? I mean, you're applying for a social media position. I mean, absolutely. And and when I say do an audit, do an audit of what brand story your social media presence is telling. So I always say I'm about leadership, mind, body, spirit, and women empowerment. If you go to any of my platforms, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, that you're always going to see a post about those things. Mm -hmm. And so I've done workshops where I tell people in terms of a social media presence, Identify your three things. What are your three things? What are three words that you want to be known for that wherever you go, people will use those three words to describe you. They'll see pictures. They'll know oh, that's about leadership. That's Karen. There she mm -hmm. goes again, talking about empowerment, talking about positivity, all of those things. And so that becomes very important when you can be consistent with your personal brand and know that it needs to be consistent across platforms. So when I say do a social media audit, not only of the person or the job that you're applying for, do an audit of that organization, but do an audit of yourself. How does what I'm putting out there in words and pictures and all of that, how does that position me? And that doesn't mean you have to be oh, I can only put pictures out there of me doing work or being business right. or no, being fake. No. Be your authentic self, but be that in a way that if your grandmother saw it, she Ooh. wouldn't be embarrassed. <laughs> oh my goodness. I was kind of going, did you look at my profile and right. say that I'm, that's not my brand? That's right. That is and just not my brand. And that's the thing. Do your research. But I uh, know, definitely. Mm -hmm. so. Well, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you. You will be missed by your Texas friends and we want you back. 
Thank you. Go. I'll always come back for you. Go, go. <laughs> Go do and then, you know, spread your fabulous wealth of knowledge and information to Elon University and we'll come see you. So please do. I will. You're hey, all welcome. Yeah. <laughs> what did you teach at L.A.? This, you, you've been teaching? So, yes, I, my fitness. Yes. I, I taught uh, body works. Class, yes. Body works class. And basically when the here's, here's a funny story. I know we're running out of time, but I just have to share this because. That group of women got me through the pandemic. You know, I live alone. And when the gym shut down, mm. we went to Trinity Park and held classes in the park. Good And for I you. just brought a little speaker yep. and, you mm -hmm. know, hooked it up and we did classes there. And so those kinds of things are, again, connections that you make, the way that you show up for people, the mm -hmm. way that they show up for you. So very important. So like I said, I'm leaving a big part of my heart in mm -hmm. Texas. Big part of your heart in Texas. Absolutely. I know. I know. And my I know. dear students, they, oh. know, they know how I feel about them. They sure do. Good. I, my transfer. <laughs> Good grief. Well, tell us how we can find you. So I am on all of my social media platforms at Dr. K. Lindsay, Dr. D-R-K-L-I-N-Z-Y. And so that's how you can find me. I need more Instagram followers. I'm begging, follow me. Me too. I <laughs> know <laughs> you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, it's you. Oh, gosh. Followers. Yes, yes. yes. And everyone, please follow Dr. Lindsay. Thank follow you. me, yes. please, at Tiffany C. Blackman. And hey, we are trying so hard to get up in this podcast world through Apple, Spotify, all the platforms. So rate and review and leave a comment. What would you like us to talk to you about? We'll, we'll talk about anything. But today, women and women empowerment and everyone, thank you so much for listening and keeping fabulous. 